but it, it took a while for me to realize that what I was experiencing was a character actor's dream come true. That you go in to play a small part and they like the way you play it so much that they keep you around. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful day today. My name is Talal, and you are listening to the Popcorn and Soda podcast, the show where we discuss all things movies, pop culture, and so much more. I want to thank each and every one of you for making me a small part of your day. On today's show, we're joined by a very special guest. He is one of the finest actors of this generation. You've seen him on projects such as Person of Interest, his Emmy award-winning role on Lost, and cannot be seen on CBS's hit show, Evil. On the show today, the very talented, and the man who rocks the glasses, the best in the entire industry, Mr. Michael Emerson. How are you, Michael? I'm fine, thank you, Talal. Happy to be with you. My pleasure, and once again, thank you so much for coming to hang out on the show today. How have you been over this last year, Michael? We're living in such a crazy world, especially being a creative artist. What did 2020 look like for you? It has been a really odd time. We've survived really well, uh, Carrie and I did. It, as luck would have it, we, had, we closed on a little house upstate a month before COVID hit. Wow. So we had a place to go outside the city and we hunkered down there with family for six or seven months before TV work started up again. And I guess Evil started filming season two, the first week of November, and we've been, we've been shooting ever since. Yeah, and that's, it's so great to hear that you're doing all right throughout this whole pandemic, because it's been a real tough time for a lot of people, and especially a lot of fellow creative artists that I've had the chance to speak to with just the way the industry goes, but it shows you how resilient this showbiz really is and it finds a way to keep innovating and keeps finding a way to problem solve around these kind of situations. Yeah, I didn't have any projects canceled or postponed really. I mean, except that we started work on, I, we had just wrapped the first season of Evil. So I naturally would have had off until the summer of 2020. So we got pushed back maybe three or four months. So it kind of didn't interrupt the rhythm of my TV life, although everybody I know who works on the live stage, you know, yeah. has uh, has not been able to do anything since then. So I was really happy in the in the papers lately. They're talking about the reopening of Broadway shows in September, and so that's going to be great. Yeah, here's hoping to a better half, second half of this year, and in 2021, we'll just find a way to adapt and get the show up and running again. Can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere but up. It's a lot. Uh, there we go. That's it. That's that's what we like. That's what we like here on the show, Michael Emerson. I am so fascinated by your story. You've been in this industry for well over 25 years. Where does this all begin for you, Michael? What were some of your influences growing up? And what made you want to be in the creative arts? I just liked, I mean, like like any other kid, I grew up with storybooks. I, I liked, uh, my mom encouraged us kids to be readers. And I liked TV, you know, I adored 
Red Skelton and Felix the Cat and Bugs Bunny and Jerry Lewis, you know, and I, I just liked, I like people with funny voices and I like to imitate them. And then in school, you know, I, I saw some plays at the high school and I thought it was so great. I couldn't believe anybody that, you know, lived in the same town and went to the same church as me could be, you know, really funny and learn all those lines and stuff. I thought it was just so uh, amazing and thrilling. So uh, that's, that's what I did in school, you know, in high school, I did drama club and, uh, forensics or speech and debate, as we used to call it. And uh, that was a thing that I took pride in and at which I excelled. So then when it, when it came time to go to college and me being the first person in my family to go to college, uh, no one had an opinion about what my major should be. So I got to pick it and I picked theater arts. And uh, that's kind of what I've been doing ever since with some detours. Do you remember your first onset experience? Now, as you mentioned, you were the first in your family to go to college and the trajectory of what this career could take you maybe wasn't something that you could maybe look back on at other family members that kind of had that experience. Do you remember that first day you were on set? On a, on, on a set for a TV show? Yeah. Oh, what would it have been? I can't, I can't remember. I think it was a, for a TV show because I, mm -hmm. I did a movie part before I ever did TV. So the first thing I did on TV, I think I had a, I had a silly little guest part on a Nathan Lane series where he was a opera singer. Oh, okay. And it did not go well. Oh. <laughs> I was late for the table read. I mean, I had two lines. I was late for the table read because of terrible weather and me not understanding the freeway system in Los Angeles. So it was a, it was a cautionary tale and uh, I'm, I'm glad I've survived it. And clearly I've been putting it out of my mind forever since. <laughs> it's all good. We'll cut that one out. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm really curious about when I speak to any creative artist is their journey from where they started off to where they are today. So I'm really curious, especially about you. Was your path a linear path where it was one project followed up by another, followed up by another? Or was it in many ways a roller coaster where you had the highs of highs and the lows of lows and you had a little loop in the middle? What was that all like? It's been all of those things at one time or another. My path, as we might call it, has been long and circuitous. You know, I graduated college in, a, in Des Moines, Iowa, and I went moved to New York City and it just knocked the wind out of me. I had no idea what to do or how to pursue being an actor. You know, I had to get a day job to feed myself. And eventually I fell into magazine illustration and I did that for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Only in my middle thirties did I get sort of the bug rebit me to get on the stage. So, I've really been an actor since I was 35, I would say. And I, I went to graduate school at the, I was, I was in graduate school at the age of 40 for, for acting again. So I got a late start, a kind of an odd start. And I've been kind of making up for that ever since. But in, in terms of the characters, people know me. I mean, 
I should say that in my life on the stage, I, I have usually played comical characters or eccentrics, you know, f funny guys generally. So it's a little bit odd to me that I have ended up playing so many sinister roles on television. I think it's because the role that was my break on TV was as a serial killer on an old series called The Practice. And people saw that and they got scared and they got thrilled. And then I think it, everyone sort of thought of me as sinister after that. And I'm, I'm happy to play it. <laughs> I'm also happy to think that I often find these sinister parts funny parts. And I, yeah. I try to invest them with a sense of humor, which maybe makes them even more entertaining. I don't know. But that's, so I, I've sort of been living in the shadow cast by that first great break ever since in a way. Well, hey, I'm all for a Michael Emerson rom-com. So whoever's listening, let's uh, let's get that going. We'd love to see that yeah. side of you. <laughs> now, yeah. you brought that up, uh, like some of your famous roles that you've played. So let's dive into some of them. The first one being your current role as Leland Townsend on Evil. This is such yeah. a unique show as it tackles the concept of supernatural versus science. Is it human nature to be evil? It's got such a great cast with Katja Herbers, Mike Holzer, Asamanvi, and then there's your character, who in many ways is the great disruptor of this show. Yeah. What do you enjoy the most about playing this character? I enjoy his bold lawlessness, you know, but I also enjoy that he's he has he has fun. He kind of relishes being a horrible person. <laughs> yep. And that's that's fun to play. And, and we've been able to find a lot of angles and nuance to that. And I, I, I like that the audience doesn't know yet and may never know whether he's a human or not, or how he got his start or what's really going on because we're, we're at the end of a second season now and those i don't have answers to those questions to this day it's one of those things we'll have to wait and see and as yeah. we patiently wait for season two i'm really curious to know about your experience in filming in this new world with on-set guidelines restrictions distancing and as a creative artist who's worked extensively on the stage on the small screen <clears> on the big screen how difficult is it to get adjusted to this kind of an environment? I didn't, I didn't find it particularly difficult. We have a lot of protocols, mm -hmm. you know, there's constant testing and there's, you know, uh, there's wristlets and there's zones and warnings right. and there's, uh, everyone has to be masked except when the camera's rolling, that, that kind of stuff. But, once they say action, it's the thing we've always done. Once they say action, you know, we set, you know, I stick the mask in my pocket and we do it like we've always done it. And it's good. It was good to get back to work. And, uh, you know, when they say cut, then it's masks on everybody and keep distance. And for a while there, the the doors of the studio building would be open for fresh air and there was always wind blowing through and stuff like that. So we, we had to put up with some stuff and there's air cleaners and 
Right. You know, lots of hand sanitization stations and all of that stuff. But uh, I guess the strangest part of it is, is was having hair and makeup people wearing, you know, masks and visors. And when we first started filming, they were wearing uh, like surgical gowns. You know, that, that's all gone away. We, okay, it, all right. It's much more relaxed now. But it was a little bit like being in a sci-fi movie on the, that first week or two. Oh, I can imagine. And hey, like as you mentioned, as the restrictions slowly loosen up, it would just be. It, we'll see how the future of this industry really shifts. And as we talked about earlier, the resiliency of showbiz and finding different ways to adapt. So here's hoping yeah. to a much easier set uh, the next time. Let's transition into what I believe is one of the greatest characters of all time, which is Benjamin Linus on Lost. <laughs> Not only is Lost one of the most acclaimed TV shows of all time, but it's really the gold standard for an ensemble cast in a drama series. Every character served its purpose, and they truly got to shine in their own way. But your character, Benjamin Linus, such a fascinating character, especially because it was meant to be as a guest spot which turned into the backbone of this entire show and this series. And that's largely due to your amazing portrayal and amazing acting. What do you recall the most about originally getting to read for this part? Well, I, I just, I thought it was good, but as I've said before, I, I just thought, oh, here's, here's a chance to escape the New York winter for three weeks or something and go to Hawaii where I had never been and do, do this part. As far as I knew then, I was a, you know, some kind of hapless balloonist who had come down in the jungle. And I thought, well, he's from Minnesota. Maybe I got cast because I'm a Midwesterner. But, but the longer I stayed there, the more, the more I realized something was up mm -hmm. and, the, and then they weren't letting me go home. So, but it, it took a while for me to realize that what I was experiencing was a character actor's dream come true. That you go in to play a small part and they like the way you play it so much that they keep you around. And then it blew up into a, a whole thing. It was a good, he was a good enigmatic villain. That's true. And you know what? I'm really curious to get your perspective about this next question. Me watching the show again at another chapter of my life. And as you just kind of mentioned some of the qualities and overall things about this character, it's hard not to sympathize with the torment of this character in a lot of ways, minus the murder, manipulation and lying, of course, but <laughs> it really questions what it really means to have a destiny. Now, do you, Michael Emerson, feel that Benjamin Linus was a product of his environment, or was he born evil? Wink, wink. Oh, he was. No, he wasn't. He wasn't born evil. We meet him as a boy in in the mm. course of the series. He's a human. He's a human person, but he has an unusual trajectory, and life deals him some odd cards. And he plays them, I guess, as the best he could think to. He, he suffered from a kind of fanaticism. And he thought he, he thought he had a mission, I guess. And the mission warped him so that he became ruthless, extremist, violent. But then the writers, you know, somewhere around 
season four, the writers turn, make a kind of U-turn, and they sort of reverse engineer a core of humanity for him so that we slowly start to have more fellow feeling with him. You know, it comes at a moment where he, he in a moment of hubris watches his own child be executed. And then I think the audience sort of feels that moment with him. It was really well shot, really as well, I recall. Yeah. And I think everybody begins to think, oh, you know, he's he's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> you can definitely say that for sure. And yeah. it's just the evolution of this character from when we first saw him versus where he ends up. It's it's very fascinating and a unique take because and a lot of that goes to you, Michael, because you really made this character very three-dimensional. It wasn't your typical bad guy of the week in a lot of TV shows. It was truly some of the building blocks you built in some of those earlier episodes kind of shifted the entire role for Benjamin Linus throughout the series. Yeah. I had a good collaboration with really talented writers. I mean, and it, it's not like we ever spoke on the phone or anything about the character or where it was going or anything. It was more like a weekly conversation. They would, they, their side of the conversation was the writing, the scripts, the rewrites. My side of the conversation was how I played it on the day. And between that back and forth, we came to a kind of great understanding I, I gave them ideas and they gave me ideas. So it was really, it's really what you hope for as in a relationship between you as an actor and a writer, a living writer that, whose work you are presenting to the world. So Damon and Carlton, hats off to them because that thing was like, that was like riding a killer whale, that show. And once, you know, they they came in and it was it was in full swing. It was a hot show. It had a lot of storylines oh, yeah. going on. So now what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go with it? Definitely. And speaking about collaboration, one thing that's so amazing about this show was its diversity and inclusion. And in yeah. 2021, we were still having conversations about lack of representation in this medium. Yet, yeah. here's the show 15 years ago that was at the forefront of it. Being a person of color who watched the show with his family, it spoke volumes to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of the inclusivity of this show. I, I don't even know if they set out to do a good thing. What they did was a, a, a smart thing and a, a fun thing and, and just good business at the end of the day For sure. to have a cast that would be so broadly identifiable in yeah. so many markets, you know, globally, a show like that, global success, because everybody recognized themselves in that sort of, oh, ragtag group of castaways. <laughs> There was somebody who was living out your fantasy. That's definitely true. And as you mentioned, like someone like myself, seeing Naveen Andrews on the screen, oh. seeing Daniel Day Kim, it's just overall scope of everything. It just, you see yourself on screen and that's what brought everyone into the show. Now, yeah. I'm from a generation that actually watched the show 
after it aired. I'm from the streaming revolution. How often do you get people coming up to you saying, Michael Emerson, I just watched Lost for the very first time last week or a month ago with my family. That stuff continues to happen. It never stops. And it makes me so happy to think that, oh, the thing has a life, you know, on beyond broadcast, original broadcast. I don't even know what happened to Lost. I don't, I don't even know that it ever got properly syndicated, did it? But it's it's out there. It's you it's know out it's there. On, it's on, on Disney Plus now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's really cool. And you know, kids that weren't even born yet when the show was airing are are now excited about it, and they they know who I am, and they they are like a generation before them. They are pleased to be scared of me. <laughs> Oh, that, that's that's hilarious. And and it's true because, you know, for a show this massive and the fact that it's now on one of the largest platforms, Disney Plus, there yeah. is an audience that's going to continue to rediscover it and discover it for the first time. Now, as yeah. someone who played a very large role on the show, do you feel that there's more life to the story? The Dharma Initiative, the island, would you personally ever want to return to the role of Benjamin Linus if the story was there? Or is it best sometimes just left as it is? Well, it certainly had enough loose ends of storylines and narratives for there to be pre-quill, post-quill, side, you know, something happening in another Mm -hmm. dimension or, you know, all of that was quite possible. Much of it explored, you know, in the show itself as it was, I, I don't know. You would never be able to get that team together again. That magic of that cast. And- sure. And I, I, I think, I don't know how many of those actors would want to reprise the role. It would, it would be interesting, but then you also don't want to mess with a thing that was great. You don't want in any way to tarnish it or to, to have people go, Oh man, I had such high hopes for that Lost spinoff, but <laughs> didn't quite. It, it just didn't have that magic. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't catch fire. The spark was not there. I don't know, but I would sure. I would be sure. Surely would be a keen reader of any new Lost material. <laughs> hey, well, here's hoping that. Because there's the writers, Damon Lindelof, J.J. Abrams, the cast, as you mentioned, it's the show's now been off the air for longer than it was actually running on the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I find really fascinating and one thing that I like to ask people that have been part of these major paradigm shifts in media is when you're wrapping up a story that so many people watch on a daily basis and they all relate to in their own certain ways, how difficult is it? to finish off the arc of a character or arc of the entire story where you can try to make everyone happy, but it's very difficult, like Game of Thrones, Lost, where a lot of people loved it. I like the ending, but a lot of people were, they have their own perceived notions of the way it should end. Can you ever win that battle? With the public or as a member of the company of Lost? Because it was a tricky time for the cast of the show, because as we wound down, 
more and more people, their storylines came to an end, either yeah. by death or some some other means. Um, I'm I'm in favor of the ending of the series. By the way, I I think it's a terrific ending and the only one, the only satisfying one that I can think of. You know, in in a show with so many narratives all spiraling outward from the center, from the originating right. event. The only place you can go is bring them all back to the center, come back to the originating event and know it for the first time, you know, as that old adage has it. So I thought it was a fine ending and, uh, and I was grateful that it was a spiritual ending right. and not a device, not a dream or a purgatory. It's all of those things in one way or another. It's, it's everything everyone thinks it is, but I'm, I'm glad that they had the courage and humanity, Damon and Carlton, to make it, you know, to, to risk it not being a splashy ending and have it be more heartfelt, I think. Yeah. And I, I, do, I do love the image of all these characters that were dear to us they get to walk off into eternity two by two. It's such a sweet notion. And of course, Benjamin Linus can't because he has yet to have earned that perfect love or happiness. So he has to wait. He has to make more trips to planet earth and do better before yeah. he gets the happy ending. It's so true. And that ending, it's in many ways so cathartic as we kind of walk away with these characters. We, we show them the love one final time. And even that very final shot, it's just, it's very, it brings everything back in a full circle. And that's the beauty of the show is that everyone had their own experiences with the show with specific, yeah. specific cast members. Benjamin Linus, as you mentioned, he was in many ways the odd man out. But I think there is potentially in some way, shape or form, a story that can be told. And this show is just so massive. And this is before social media really took off. Can you just imagine how crazy this show would have even been even larger if social media was a thing? I mean, it was pretty big as it was. Yeah, geez. But yeah, if, if there'd have been that much social media, oh God. It might have been unbearable. It might have been too much. <laughs> well, that's one of the great TV shows of all time, and you left your stamp on that. The last, <laughs> Thank uh, you. The, oh, my pleasure. The last question I have for you, Michael: What do the creative arts mean to you? I don't think in terms of them having meaning, except that they are who I am. They're all I ever knew, they're all I ever wanted to do and knew how to do. It, it just seemed always to me that it was, it was, a, it was my calling. I, I love the arts, but maybe no more than people who don't practice them. But gosh, I, I don't, think about it as meaningful. I just think of it as it's everywhere I look and it's the fabric of my life and most of the people I know. 
Hey, that's a fair answer. And that's a different answer that I've heard than most people. And, and I appreciate that, Michael Emerson, because you're saying it like it is. And that's what we love about you, whether it's your character on Lost, Person of Interest, Evil, Saw, and crazy that there's a whole new Saw oh. movie coming out now. And you were part of that very first one. So your roles just keep finding a way to reinventing themselves in one way, shape, or form. <laughs> now, as we wrap up, the great Michael Emerson. It is now time for a segment I call the final act. Michael, I'm going to ask you 10 rapid fire questions about your likes, your dislikes. But here's the catch. We're going to give you 60 seconds to see how many we can go through them. You up for the challenge? Okay. Movies or TV shows? TV shows. Theater or watch at home? Theater. Favorite movie? Toss up, Wizard, Wizard of Oz or Wings of Desire? Favorite TV show? MASH? One sequel better than the original? Oh, uh, God, Godfather 2. Should Hollywood reboot Back to the Future? No. Summer or fall? Fall. Favorite lost character besides yourself? Mr. Echo. And lastly, describe Benjamin Linus in one word. Misunderstood. Bam. Got through all 10 questions. And hey, you're pretty close on that clock. So you're one of the few people that got through it. Michael, thank <laughs> you so much for being a guest on the show today. But more importantly, thank you for your contributions to the arts. You provided one of the most memorable characters I've ever seen in this medium. And I got to share that with my brothers. And for that, I am extremely grateful. I wish you all the best in all your upcoming projects. And I look forward to having you back on the show to discuss the next one. Thank you, Talal. I had a good time. Your enthusiasm is infectious.